when the great Orleans were bringing revival and spiritual awakening to Lake Avenue Church in the 1970s, I was sucking lollipop in an untown, unknown town in India, <laughs> which even Google map cannot find out. All I ever wanted to be at the time was to be a soccer player. I was the goalkeeper of my little league, and I always watched fo uh, football. We call it football in India, soccer, right? And I always envied the soccer players because all they did was playing, right, from morning to evening, and at the end of the day, they get this multi-million dollar contract, and they're getting paid to play. And that's what I wanted to do, right? I wanted somebody to pay me so that I can play. <laughs> but then I grew up, and my interests changed, my desires changed, my dreams changed. Now if you ask me, what I love to do the most is to be around people. I love being part of people's lives, and I love to share my story, hear their stories. And I love studying the Bible. I love talking about Jesus. And I can believe that you're paying me for this. So, <laughs> thank you, Lake Avenue Church, for, <laughs> for allowing me to be part of this rich heritage and spiritual legacy. And I feel literally humbled and so honored to be even here standing in this pulpit. And I also want to thank all the leaders and all the volunteers, all the staff, and everybody, every single person in this congregation from the moment we walked into this house 10 years ago, starting from the Spuck family to every single one of you have welcomed us and made us feel at home. So thank you for that. Pastor Paul and Jeannie, you are living legends, and thank you for giving me the permission to follow your footstep, and I'm so honored that you came here today and blessed me with your prayer, and I feel so empowered now. Now I really feel like I can do it, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. My friend, my brother, and my pastor, Jeff Madisich, and Jenny, and Henry, and Russell, who couldn't be here today, and they make their absence felt. But thank you so much for your ongoing support and love and encouragement to me personally and to our community. And thank you for that special gift you sent me. So thank you so much again. The very first time I walked into this church was 2008. It was December. It was a Saturday evening service. I was here only for a few weeks visiting from Toronto just to do some intensive course at Fuller. And I uh, a friend of mine brought me to Lake Avenue Church just to check it out. And they said their, their new senior pastor, it's not really new by the time 2008, Pastor Greg Waybright and uh, Chris, uh, and the, um, Pastor Greg was preaching that sa Saturday evening. And I remember sitting here, uh, and I, I took a note of something really spoke to me that day. I still have that note of your sermon from 2008, December. And this is what he said. Disappointment happens in life. 
when we don't get what we are after. So when you are disappointed, the bottom line question is, what are you really after? Now I remember I was sitting somewhere there, and at that time in my life and in my career, I was uh, the associate pastor of a vibrant downtown Toronto church, and they were grooming me to be the next senior pastor. And my wife was the director of finance for a, for a Christian charitable organization. And we lived in a very beautiful house in, in, a, in a neighborhood called Leeside, Toronto, which is very San Marino kind of neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> And we had a house with two garages, we have two daughters, and we, we were living the Canadian dream. And, <laughs> but I was disappointed. I was feeling miserable inside. When I heard that sermon, I still remember, it spoke to me, it hit me like a thunderbolt that day. I said, what am I really after? This is what I want? This beautiful house and beautiful wife and two kids and two cars and uh, two, e, e, this is what I want. And I realized that in the busyness of doing ministry, I have forgotten the master. That happens very often, particularly to ministers. You know, when you feel arrived, that's a good feeling to have in any other profession except in ministry. In ministry, when you feel you are arrived, that is the moment you have to quit because there is something fundamentally wrong there. And that's where I was. And I remember I, I had this, uh, that feeling, knowing feeling, that I am not after the right thing. And I remember right after, 2008 December, you can ask Joanne, I'm not making it up. The first thing I said is, I am going to quit my job. And the church was upset. Everybody except Joanne was upset because she knew me very well. And the church really dragged my, uh, to receive my, uh, you know, anyway, it took a while for me to, uh, for, to accept, but it really took me on a journey, a real adventurous journey, being with the master. And very often it didn't go the way I planned it. I always thought about that preacher in Pasadena who messed up my life. <laughs> <laughs> But little did I know that he was actually passing on the baton to me at that very moment. That very moment was my calling to Lake Avenue Church. So God has a wonderful way of working. So Pastor Greg and Chris, <laughs> you are father and I mean, you're so young, but you, know, but you are still spiritually my, my parental figures. And so I asked Pastor Greg to bring the message today, and I'm, I can't wait. And God will speak to me again. God will speak to you, you, you again through the prophetic words, words of the, the Waybride family, the entire family. So I'm excited about that. Now, I have introduced you to my wife, and you got to hear her uh, speak. And uh, today, I have the privilege of introducing you to my daughters, and who will be doing the scripture reading. 
So when I wrote my second book, which was about movies and theology, I dedicated that book to my daughter, so I'm going to read my dedication. That's my introduction to them. Okay? This is what I wrote. This is a book on movies, so I used the movie language to dedicate the book to my daughters. You are the stars that add music, dance, and colors to the wonderful Bollywood movie our life has become. My dearest daughters, Hannah and Emma. Good morning, Lake Avenue Church. It's so good to be here this morning. Um, we'd just like to take a minute to introduce ourselves. Can't really compare to that one, but you know, we'll do our best. Um, my name is Hannah. Uh, I just finished my undergraduate at the University of Toronto, where I'm currently residing. Um, I'll be continuing there to do my master's this fall. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm the youngest, my name is Emma, and I will be graduating from UCLA in June. And, July, and in July, I'll be moving to Minneapolis to start my dream job as an investment banking analyst. Yes. The scripture reading today is from Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 19. Please, read, please rise for the reading of God's word. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak, I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, 
its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The word of the Lord came to me saying, is that what I heard you read, Hannah and Emma? The word of the Lord came to me saying, I tell you, when you read those words in scripture, you can know mighty works of God are just about to begin. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah and the vision of God to bring good news to the entire world and all people groups and not just one was launched into this world. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world took place even though Jonah kicked and screamed about that particular word coming to him. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, and a shy young man one who apparently wept a lot, at least we're told that, <laughs> one who felt so ill-prepared for his call, was made ready for a ministry that we talk about in Pasadena, California in 2022. So note this right now. It is always the word of the Lord that comes to us and not our world that goes back to him, telling him, this is what I think I want you to do for me. It is always the sovereign God who made us, who comes and speaks to us and says, I knew you, I made you. Before you were even implanted in the womb, before your parents even had met one another, I knew you, and I created you for a reason. So I declare to you today, the one who knew you before anyone else knew you has a purpose for your life. That was true of Jeremiah. That's true of you and me. I'm telling you, that is true of Lake Avenue Church. There is a reason why he brought this church into being and put it right here. And I'll tell you that is true today, Pastor Matthew. I proclaim on the authority of God's word that the God who knew you before you knew you knew that he had a reason why he brought you into being and today is a part of that. What I want to do, I, I haven't given as much time as you remember me preaching. So I'm not going to take any more than I was given, I don't think. <laughs> I want to say a few words particularly directed to Pastor Matthew, but I think they might have something to say to all of us, especially if you're going through a challenging time in your life. Based upon this text in Jeremiah 1 that's been on your heart, Matthew, and then I woke up one morning thinking, I have to preach about this, and told you, and you said, that must have been the Lord. I want to tell you just a few things that I want you to carry with you into this next task. Number one, parts of God's call bring us great joy. Other parts are very hard. Don't be surprised. 
Uh, most parts of being a senior pastor bring us great joy. I want you to hold on to that piece before I tell you the rest here. I, <laughs> uh, I think all of you know I love being pastor of the Lake Avenue Church. Chris and I are just so, we feel so much at home just being back here. It's been such a beautiful thing. I told you ad nauseum, I love the San Gabriel Valley. I love our city of Pasadena. I, I love the people who are here. I love the tasks of being a pastor. Of, of preaching and teaching and shepherding too. And Matthew, I know you're going to love those parts too. However, we're still this side of heaven and this world is filled with other kingdoms that compete against the kingdom of God. And I hate to tell you this, but we're not immune to them in the church either. That means that as much joy as will be in this task, there will be challenging parts that are a part of God's call upon you that we actually celebrate here today. So I want you to look again at verses 13 and 14. I can't remember whether, Emma, whether you read this or Hannah, but let's look at this again. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is, it is tilting toward us from the north. And the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live here. I am about to summon the peoples of the northern kingdoms. I, I, I need to tell you a little bit about that. Just where the people of Israel, the country of Judah, where Jeremiah was, was located in a place where the superpowers for generations, there were those to the north, places like Babylon and Assyria, that often wanted to dominate the whole world, kind of like what you see happening in Russia right now. But then down to the south, there were places like Egypt that often would have that. And sometimes they did battle with one another. And you know where that battle took place? Over and over and over again for generations, it happened right there where Jeremiah was a prophet. You've got to see that back in the day that Jeremiah lived, the kingdoms of darkness that fight against us in this world, they were there then too. Uh, the kingdoms of, we often call them the world and our own flesh and the devil, they, they, were, they were at work then too. So you can see it with the kingdoms of this world. The kings would want to have world domination. They would want to have more and more power. And what happened as they were trying to get more power, it ended up that the people there in Israel began to be devastated when it was there. So the, the kingdoms of this world, the systems of this world where people get into power who want to use that power for, only for their own benefit, the opposite of Jesus, those still operate, they operate everywhere, and sometimes they can creep into the church. The devil was at work too. This text doesn't point that out, but, but it was at work too. But the, the point I want to make is, I might need to have a few witnesses for this one, the flesh was at work too. The, the flesh was at work too. I mean, this human selfishness and sin, and I want my own way, all that was at work. And, and the sad part was it was at work among those who claimed to be the people of God too. And in fact, that was what was leading to all of this. Verse 16, this is what God says, I will pronounce my judgments on my people. Why? Because of their wickedness in forsaking me. So, a major part of the calling of Jeremiah was to tell the people that they were going to be besieged over and over again. He told them that. And then he also had to tell them 
that the main cause of that was not all this stuff out there in the world. It wasn't Bollywood or Hollywood. It was stuff right here among his own people, their own selfishness, their own unfaithfulness. And we know now, with the benefit of hindsight, looking back centuries later, that everything he preached was right. So that was had, that's the message he had to proclaim. So I'm wondering, I, I saw some of the pastors who were here. How would you like it if, if that was the message you had to proclaim every week to the church? How, how long would you want to stay in that job? Even more, <laughs> church people. How much would you like to go to a church where every message, it was always that same message? I want you to know it's because of your own selfishness and sin that judgment is going to come week after week. How many times would, would you even stream it to come here for this? And I'm telling you, that calling was a hard calling. <laughs> you say you're getting paid for what you want to do. But if that's what you're <laughs> wanting to do, uh, yeah, you might want to be paid a lot to, to do that. So, <laughs> so, so the government censored all of his sermons and slapped him into prison. Uh, the religious leaders made fun of him and uh, always were accusing him of things. The, the general public isolated him and tried to make him think that nobody was with him. And his own family, when he thought, that you're not going to do this, family. But his own family, when he thought, I'm going to get home and get a little bit of rest, found out that they were plotting to put him to death because he brought so much shame to them. How long would you do this? How, how, how long do you think God might call a person to do this? Wow, could you do it for a year? Two? He did it for 40 years. Now, Pastor Matthew, this is not a prophetic message of what, <laughs> of what you're going to be called to do. I am praying. I am so much praying that there will be such a great joy and a receptivity to the message of God. But what I want to say is this. I want you to learn to rejoice in the joys. They will be here. They will be here. But don't be surprised by those hard parts. You'll have to be faithful to deliver the word of God, whatever God puts on your lips to say. Second message to you. A part of your calling when you deliver God's word, when the word of the Lord comes to you saying, is to correct wrongs, to address sins, to say that's wrecking your own life and wrecking the world and wrecking the church. Some of your preaching will have to do that, but the ultimate goal is always to build up the people. It's always to build up. So preach truth, but when you preach it, always love the people under your care. So look at verses 9 and 10. If anybody has your Bible, I think I put it up here. So the, reach, the Lord reached out his hand. He touched my mouth. And God said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. I'll leave that up there. Is that up there now? Yes. Six verbs. Look at those six verbs that are there. Uh, uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow. But the goal of it, the goal of it is always to build up and to plant new life. So when you look at that, folks, look at it. The first four have to do with these hard things. 
addressing what is wrong, addressing what is evil, things that don't honor God, calling us to repentance. But the goal of even that kind of preaching, even the repentance, is always to build up and always to see that there can be new life that starts when you think it's all over. I, I've got to tell you this. The little church I grew up in, in the hills of West Virginia, the only preachers we could ever get were people who um, had come straight out of Bible school. Nobody else would come to my, to my church. Uh, so they would all come right out of Bible school and have this dream of being in this very successful church uh, with all these uh, perfect people. And then they met us. <laughs> They were so frustrated and disappointed with us. I remember when I would go off to college, and we would call, kept having different preachers coming out of Bible school. I would call up my mom each time a new preacher came, and I would say, well, how's, how's the new preacher doing? And mom says, well, he's still disappointed in us. So she'd say, so he's still preaching mad at us. <laughs> preaching mad when we're not quite what he thinks we should be. <laughs> oh man, a lot of us preach mad. Did, did I preach mad to you guys? I wonder. So Matthew, what I'm saying is, sometimes you're going to have to call out sin. Sometimes you're going to see some things that perhaps have resided among us for a long, long time, like Jeremiah had to do. But what I beg you to do is always to do it in a way that doesn't leave us uprooted and torn down and destroyed, but always leaves us with the hope of the gospel that comes because we believe in the resurrected Jesus and we believe the Spirit of God that raised him from the dead is here within us and among us. So, I've decided to give you advice from an old preacher. That's me. Um, and I, I don't know that I did this very well when I was with you, but now that I'm away, here I come back to you again. One, don't call out our sin in a way that fails to acknowledge that God is still in process with you. Yeah, this is, this is the humility. You, you see it in the Apostle Paul. This is the humility of genuine truth-filled speaking. But, two... Don't let your own sense of imperfection keep you from calling us to repentance. It's got to be humility with courage, don't you think? And then this one. Never, never. I want to put two more. Never, 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 never. Leave us torn down. But always remind us of the unfailing hope found in the gospel of a resurrected Jesus. So that's what I want to talk to you about here. So Jeremiah 1 uh, lets us know that the end goal of pastoral ministry is always to build God's people up. Even when you have to tear down, even when you have to address sin, the goal is, because you love your people, to build people up. Sometimes we who are preachers get angry with our church people. We get frustrated by our churches, our sheep's uh, lives, and we get to the point sometimes that we don't really long for the best for those very people entrusted to our care. 
We don't really long and pray for and enter into our lives praying for renewal and growth. And if you ever find yourself getting to that point, I think you need to go out and find a more perfect people that you might actually be able to love. If you can't love your people, we can't bring the word of God to them. That is to say, address the sins that you see in your sheep, but always do it with this deep, deep desire to build us up into disciples that are conformed to the image of Jesus. That's our calling. I have just final, a third thing. Parts of God's call will make you feel alone. Uh, those of you who are in all sorts of leadership roles, leadership is always lonely. It, it, well, you don't, have to, you don't have to vote on that one. And that's true of pastoral ministry too. But you will never be alone. So learn to practice the presence of God. So in Jeremiah 6, Jeremiah says, I love this. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. Sounds like Moses. I'm too young on and on. I can't do this. You can imagine that. Wait a minute. There are other people who have just the right education. You know, they have just the right accent. I'm from Canada. How could, you know, Jeremiah didn't say that. <laughs> but he was right about all the other stuff. But Jeremiah was the one who was called, and so are you. And Jeremiah had to step out and begin the task. And the question always is, and then I have felt this always throughout my ministry, how? How can I be so aware of my own weaknesses and then still step forward in obedience and confidence that in God's call? And what I read in Jeremiah 1, and I hope you heard it as Emma and Hannah were, were reading the word, he says, because I will do the work through you. But it's got to be through you. And it's got to be his work. I, I want to show you how carefully God surrounds those uncertainties that Jeremiah had and his own feelings of weakness with God's own majestic strength. In verses 5 and 6, three phrases are used in the present tense. I formed you. I know why I made you. I knew you. And I appointed you to this task. Hold on to that. And then three phrases are in the present tense in verses 7 and 8. So I am sending you to these people. I am commanding you to take up this role. And I love this. I am. I am with you. So God says, no matter how you feel, Matthew, you are not to say, I cannot do this. For I am, the great I am is with you, and I will do it. I love that song. That's how God always deals with us when he calls us to something. Oh, I, I'm going to go beyond my 20 minutes if I say this, but I've got to tell you the story. When Chris and I uh, went to this wonderful black church in South Chicago, we took our son, and he knew they'd call him up to play the guitar. And... Uh, <laughs> He knew that they'd play in any key, any song, any time. And he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. But when they saw us walking in and we stood out in the church, uh, one of the armor bearers, who's a big Chicago Police Department guy, came up to my son and said, the Lord has called you into service. Some of you remember I told you this story. <laughs> and he said, I didn't, I didn't really uh, I, I come for that. I just want to be here. No. 
the word of the Lord has come to you, say. <laughs> the Lord has called you in the service. This was a big man uh, who was their strong man. And, and he said, well, I, I didn't bring my guitar. He said, when the Lord calls, he also provides. The Lord called you in the service, and he took him up to that place. And I think that's what God is saying here today, too, that I want you to hold on to. That when God calls us to something, it's almost better when we don't feel like we can do it. Because we have to depend upon the presence and the power of God. And he keeps saying to us, I will be with you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is sufficient for you. Jehovah Jireh, God provides. So, so Matthew, and, and to all of you who may be in a very difficult place, and I'm sure that's many of us here today. Number one from that first point, God is your maker and he knows what he made you for. And this is a part of it. God said to Jeremiah, and he's saying to do, how can you ever, ever think, Matthew, that you're not the right person for this job? I've been planning this for you before your parents even knew that they were going to get married. I've made you for it. So step forward. And second, God promises to be an ever-present provider when you simply obey his call and are faithful to it. So God gave Jeremiah something tangible, because we forget, don't we? We forget what he says. So he gave him something very tangible so that he would always know that he would never be alone. So verses 11 and 12, I think I have them here. I want you to see this. The word of the Lord came to me. There's that phrase again. Okay, Jeremiah, what do you see? Well, I, I see an almond tree, which is shaked in Hebrew. Shaked, get that. Uh, I replied, uh, the Lord said, you have seen correctly, for I am watching, shoked, 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 watching, so that you will see that my word will be fulfilled. So you, I hope I've pointed that out. The word for almond tree and watching sound very, very much alike. So there were almond trees all over Judah. They were all over Judah. So essentially, when you get into one of those really hard places, and you wonder, am I even there? He says, when you see that almond tree, I want you to remember, I am watching you. I am with you. So he gave him that very tangible, tangible sort of thing so you wouldn't forget the message that he had given him. Now, when I finish my 10th year here with you, uh, do some of you remember that you gave to me this watch, which I wear all the time except showering and playing tennis? Uh, <laughs> So now, it, this is what I do. I just want you to know, this is what I do. Whenever I hit a really hard point, and I still do, it's not just here, it's everywhere, we, we have this. I look at that watch, and I, I can just hear God saying to me, Greg, I've called you to this place, and you're not alone. I am watching. <laughs> I am watching you. Does that sound corny? It, I need it. I need these things, these visible reminders. And you, you movie guy that you are, I can't afford uh, to get one of these watches for you. But I have something for you. And Matthew, I want you to come up because I want to give you something here today. It's, it's a little bit different. <laughs> David, uh, uh, David uh, Matthew, with the help of congregation uh, member uh, David Lee he helped me to get one of these what I got for you is a, a pen 
Um, and here's what I want you to think of when you see it. Every time you write, and it's a Ferrari pin, so you'll write really fast from this time. <laughs> so every time you write, I want you to hear God saying to you, my child, I am right with you. I am right beside you. And know that no matter how irritating any of us might be, no matter how difficult the task may be, no matter how challenging the message may be, it is not greater than the one who is right with you. So I'll give that to you. To, I want you to stay with me just a minute. I wrote one last word I want to say. Just think, if Judah's people had voted on what they wanted at this crucial point in their lives, what would they have voted on? A great communicator, a great marketer, maybe, I don't know, somebody who who's really strong in, in therapy because they all needed a lot of help. They, I would guess they would have voted, I want a better military leader or a politician, but God said he had something better. It seems impossible. He, had a, he said, what I have that is better, what's better? A faithful, truth-filled preacher. Better. Yeah. That's what we need. Judah, back then, needed a person with the word of God on his lips who would bring truth and faith and integrity into the issues that we face in this impossible, difficult world. Matthew, that, that's what we need you to be here more than anything else right now. A pastor who will love your people with your whole being. Love us too much to leave us where we are. <laughs> Love us too much ever to give up on us. I pray that you will love us as you love yourself. And then lovingly, but courageously, proclaim the word of truth that God puts on your lips. It was just a few months ago that you were with me in Wheaton College. You saw the movement of the spirit that was happening there in a place where people would say, this is the hardest audience ever to preach to, and you saw how they responded to the word of God when you directed people repenting of sin, people making commitments to the global mission of God. Jesus did it. And he will continue to as well. So as our group comes to sing, I don't know if you want to step here and sing with them or I'll come down with you. Joanne, you already told me he can't do that. He can't do that. I want us to hear about the goodness of God. I want to take this call and go forth, simply being faithful to God's call upon you, and we will see what he does. It will be to his glory and his glory alone. God bless you, my brother. Thank you.